0: Life. The Bible describes it as abundant, powerful, and filled with meaning, but honestly some would say that's not the life they know. God feels far away, silent. Their life is mundane and unfulfilling, but what if God were close? What if life felt alive and full of power? This is a six-part series about the Spirit of God living in us. starting a new series. This series is called God Within. And I want to tell you where the whole idea comes from. One little sentence out of the Bible. Maybe you've heard this verse before that says, do you not know that you, you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God's spirit dwells in you. You see what we're talking about here is the idea that the Holy Spirit is God within us. And so many people, when they think about God, they imagine him as being far away. I mean, literally, if I'd started, maybe I should have started that way. Everybody just close your eyes for a minute and think of God. What do you think? Most of us don't do this. We imagine these golden thrones and, and this room of sea or glass or diamond or whatever it is, way, 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 way up in heaven where ladders don't reach, you know, and, and he's, he's just so... Far away, God is out there somewhere. How is this idea within and this thing, what we're talking about is really the Trinity. You guys ever heard of the Trinity? You ever tried to explain it? Good luck with that. In theology class, we'll spend an entire theology class, three hours long, talking about the Trinity and trying to help people understand how you can have three, but you only have one at the same time. And at the end of the night, we say, well, it's time to go home. We're just going to still say it's a little confusing. It's a mystery. It is a mystery as to how God himself exists in community. But let me, bef- I'm not even going to try to go there because, you know, for those of you going, oh my gosh, is he really about to, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I just do want to remind us this as we go into this series and under, trying to understand God, keep in mind, we are trying to understand him and that's the whole problem. That literally is like your two-year-old child trying to figure you out. And they've got a better chance at it than we do figuring out God. He comes first. We'll figure out the Trinity thing when we get there, but God exists in community, the father, the son, and then that other thing. At least that's the way many people refer to him. His name is the Holy Spirit, the father, son, the Holy Spirit. You see, I grew up in a church where God was highly revered, very serious. Matter of fact, he was so highly revered. You did not run in the room where we worshiped him. And we had double doors that went to the fellowship hall, which was also a gymnasium, And it's funny because God evidently never went to the gymnasium. You were allowed to run and even dribble a ball. But as kids, as soon as we hit that door, man, we were racing all the way down the hallway because, again, God wasn't in the hallways either. But you know how it goes, the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, God lived there, and, and you had to revere God. But we revered him from far away. We talked about a powerful God. We talked about a miraculous God. But he never did anything miraculous, and we worshiped him from afar. So I went off to college, and some of you have heard some of this story before. I was a little bit tired of the mundane and the boring thing that we called worship, and, well, decided I didn't really need to go to church much, and had no intention of doing that. But God was doing something among the music majors there at the school. because I was a music major, and I ran into all of these weird kids who actually took their faith seriously. And they, they went to this church that focused on the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know anything about it. I didn't understand what that meant. I had no clue. All I knew was that these people were real. And they were alive. And they talked about God like he was actually a part of their life seven days a week. And if you were sick, they'd say, can I pray for you? And the first time they did it, I remember, well, sure. And then I started to walk away. And then suddenly someone touched my shoulder like, no, 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 right now. Like, whoa, pray for me now? We're in public. Pray in public? They were serious about talking about God, and how they talked to God, and how they heard God's voice. And all I know is I wanted that. But I had a friend of mine, he was a senior, trying to watch out for me. He took me aside, and he said, Jimmy, you know that's the weird church. True story. Look, most people want to go to a non-weird church. I didn't even know it was funny, but it is true. True. I mean, how many of you woke up this morning? Hi, hey, honey, let's see if we can go to one of those weird places today where strange things happen. We can't explain and we'd be embarrassed if our friends came with us. We want to go to a non-weird church, but here's what ends up happening. In our desire to, to be respectable and to be prim and proper and to be non-weird, I think it's possible, just possible, we'll put it out there, that we've lost touch with a supernatural life of power that we see in the Bible. I mean, we read about weird stuff. How many of us see that happening all the time? Matter of fact, think about this. At the end of the service is right down here. Our prayer teams. Every week we say, as we end the service today, you guys be blessed, have a great week. Don't forget prayer teams are down front to pray with you. And usually one or two people out of the hundreds that are here every week will come down and ask for prayer. Why? I think it's because of one thing. We've either no longer believe a supernatural God will show up, or we've stopped looking for a supernatural God to show up. Either one. Do you not believe or you just don't care? But when we read the Bible, you guys do that, don't you? When you read the Bible and you see, especially in the book of Acts, it's full of amazing miracles and powerful things taking place, and some of it is is just off the beaten path. And, And here's the crazy part. Do you realize Jesus isn't the main character? A couple of sentences in, Jesus is like, see you dudes, I'm out of here. And then you've got the whole rest of the book, all of the crazy stuff that you read about Jesus isn't even the main character. You see, we expect crazy things and we expect miracles when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was all about Jesus. And we really are just the audience. We're the spectators. Man, he raised somebody from the dead. He fed five thousand people with you know just a couple of fish and some bread. And look at the things that he does. But that's Jesus. You really need to keep reading after the Gospels. If you've never read the Book of Acts, you really need to go home and do that, because it's not Jesus. It's his people. It's his people living with God within. I want to show you what the Bible says about Jesus as people, and what he had in mind for us. We're going to start today. Unfortunately, we're not going to have a main passage like I prefer that we normally can just go to. We're going to kind of flip around, but you're still welcome to flip with me if you've got your Bibles. If not, it's going to be on the screen right here. We're going to start in John, where Jesus, of course, was talking to his disciples and he says, I say to you, we're in 14, by the way, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do who wants that? I'm, I'm ready for that. Let's see, he raised somebody from the dead. Let's see, he kind of walked across the lake because the boat had already left him behind. He told the storm to stop, and it immediately did. And I mean, he just did some pretty cool stuff. I'm up for that. But he didn't stop there. That was the introduction because he goes on to say, and greater, and greater works than these he will do because... Because I'm going to stick around, walk right behind you, and every time you say something, I'm going to whisper to nature and make sure they actually obey you. No, no, no. Because I'm going to the Father, something's about to happen that's going to cause you to do even more amazing things. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus promised his people would do amazing things. Can you just process that for a minute? This is not a maybe It's not an if, it's not a wish, it's not for the special people. Jesus, the one you trust to take you to heaven, promised that his people, are you one of his people? His people would do more amazing things than he did. Why? Because they would be filled with the spirit of God. A little bit later, he keeps talking to them and here's what he's telling them. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. I've got to go so that he will come. Well, I'm not unpacking the whole uh, chapter of John 16 here so that you can understand the helper is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who lives within. you just have to take my word for it to go read it yourself. But if I go, I will send him to you. Advantage I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, I was pretty stinking sure that because Jesus went away and was in heaven, we had less. I mean, it was clear about the life I lived. You go to church, you can't run in the room, you stand like this, nobody has a miracle. The people in wheelchairs go out in wheelchairs the same way they came in in wheelchairs. The depressed people go home just as depressed, and the people who are having affairs smile on Sunday morning and pretend they're not. It seemed to me we have less than what I saw in the Bible. I didn't understand this idea. And so I didn't think there was anything until I met these weird people in college who actually talked about the more and tried to live the more. How is it to our advantage that Jesus goes away? I mean, he was God and he did cool things. How about this one? If Jesus was at my house, because, you know, I'm the pastor, he's going to come to my house. Then he wasn't at yours. If Jesus and I were having coffee, because you're in the South and it would be rude, you're not involved. You don't even get to eavesdrop. It's to our advantage that he goes away. And even though he had amazing powers, I want you to do y'all know the story of Lazarus? He raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story? Go talk to Lazarus about it. Lazarus understands he had to spend four days in the tomb waiting on Jesus to walk. I mean, he was God. He could have kind of just teleported like he did across the lake or something. He could have just like snapped his fingers. But no, because when Jesus was there, he wasn't here. And even though when he was here, he had the power to raise somebody from the dead. You had to wait on him to get there if you were dead there. And Jesus said, I've got something better for my people. I've got something better for my people. Here's the key. Jesus was the model for his people. Because we have this idea all the time. What Jesus did was because he was God. Please understand this. And it is not heresy. It is legitimate theology. What Jesus did had nothing to do with him being God. Y'all gonna throw something at me? Anybody leaving? It had nothing to do. The Bible tells us that he laid down his deity. He said, I will not function as God because what I need to show my people is how to function as a man with God within. He was filled with the spirit of God. And that's the crazy thing about it. You go, we need Jesus back. You know, you have everything that Jesus had because he chose not to act as God. He willingly set that aside. He could have, but he did not. When he healed people, It was because of God within as a man, you have the same power. When he walked on water, it was because God within as a man. You go, wait a minute, no man's ever done that. Really? Go tell Peter. He wasn't God. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, you can do this too, because what I'm going to do instead of you standing there going, oh, look, it's Jesus. Let me go and touch Jesus. Let me go and touch Jesus. I'm going to go away so that what you have in me will be in every single one of my people. That's exciting if you get that. We think of the Holy Spirit. We just have the wrong idea. We think he's an afterthought. At least that's the way I was raised. It kind of went like this. this, You know, God had all these ideas and, and each one kept messing up. And God, I guess, just wasn't quite smart enough to see the problem. And so we had to keep making new, I'm sorry, I'm just sharing with you my thoughts as a kid growing up. Because I went to Sunday school, and so first of all, God created Adam and Eve, and he put him in the garden. And you'd think the guy would have seen it coming. I mean, the snake was there. But he didn't see it coming, evidently, or whatever, so he has to kick him out of the garden. He has to set up a guard. Okay, plan B. You know, and then the people, well, they just go off and do bad stuff anyway, so we're just going to flood the world and get rid of them. Plan C. God should have seen that one coming. So then they, he creates these people, he blesses their socks off, but then they don't listen to him and they decide to turn against him. And so he has to punish them into slavery. Gee, God, didn't you see that one coming? You see what I'm saying? I mean, has anybody else ever grown up like this? And so then you get to, here's God just finally like, I just can't do this anymore.
1: Does anybody have an idea?
0: And Jesus, well, dad, how about I go down there and straighten that thing out? I've been waiting all these years. It's my moment to put me in the game. Come on, I got this. Well, nothing else has worked, Jesus. You know, we're on plan triple Z. Just get on down there. So Jesus goes down to heaven. He dies. He's resurrected. He gets back up to heaven. He goes, hey, God, took care of that. But uh, listen, we got a little problem. See, uh, they're kind of lonely without me now. You think we could throw them a bone? Just like, just like send a little spirit thing down there or something, keep him company or something. This was seriously the theology in my head. Aren't y'all glad I went to theology class? Imagine what I would preach if I had not been to theology class where they took this stuff out of my brain and put the right stuff in. But some of you have thought that kind of stuff too. We get the idea that the Holy Spirit is a band-aid because all the other plans didn't work. Well, you know, that's going to be a little while before I get back, maybe two, 3,000 years or something. Let's just give them a little something to hold the time, kind of like a doctor does. Well, you just had surgery. It's going to hurt for a few days. Take a pill so you don't feel it until you're better. Let's see if we can just throw something at them. We think the Holy Spirit is an afterthought. He is not an afterthought. By the way, while we're on the subject, have y'all noticed how many times I've said he when I'm talking about the Holy Spirit? That was another thing I had to learn because where I grew up, it was God, he. Jesus, he. And the Spirit is an it. Spirit of God, it was in the place today. How many of you want to be called an it? The Bible talks about the Spirit of God as having personality personality that he has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. I don't know many it's that have emotions. He's a he. He is God. I mean, after all, if we do believe the Trinity, even if you can't explain it, it's not a Trinity if you've got two he's and an it. In order for him to be three in one. So this will will really help you when you start referring to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives within you. God is. As a he, because he is. He's not an it. Here's what we need to know. It is God's plan A to have his spirit dwell within his children. We're not on plan triple Z. It is God's plan A to have his spirit dwell within his children. Let me show this to you. John, at the very beginning, this is John the Baptist talking This is before Jesus has done anything except be born. That's it. He's been a baby. This is all we got. And here is what John the Baptist says. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me, that would be the father. He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute before Jesus did a single miracle, before Jesus ever said a word to anybody that made any significance that we know about reading in scripture, before anything ever, and anybody ever knew about him, the Bible says he came to do one thing. Like it was plan A to fill his people with his spirit. I thought The first thing that we should ever know about Jesus. Hey, everybody, I want to introduce to you today. He's about to start his ministry. The ministry we will talk about for thousands of years will change the course of history and change the course of mankind. Let me introduce to you the man that will save everybody. No, that's not what he said. Let me introduce to you the man that will build his church. That's not what he said. Let me introduce you the man that will crush Satan's head. That's not what he said. He actually said that in Genesis. Let me introduce you the one who will fill his people with his spirit. Does not sound like plan C or D to me. It sounds to me like from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit's not a band-aid. God's up to something. Matter of fact, God had already told us if we could go back in time and we could be standing there watching John say that, we'd go, amen, John. They actually, God told us that hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. Long before John the Baptist was even on planet Earth. It's quoted in Acts 2. comes from one of the Old Testament prophets. that says, in the last days... It shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female, whoa, the servants too? Come on, God, I mean, that's okay if you're going to do it with your special people, you know, we're special, even everybody Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Anybody that calls me king, I am going to pour out my spirit. I don't care if they're the butler, the driver, or the king. Whoever they are in your world, president, governor, it doesn't matter. Or a normal person in Columbia, South Carolina who goes to work every single day and has two kids. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to pour out my spirit. It was not an afterthought. You see, I believe God was... Dumb sentence. I believe God was very intentional, of course. I believe God intentionally revealed Himself through an external God relationship in order to create a hunger for an internal God relationship. It was actually Plan A from the beginning. You see, He was showing, I am God, I am the creator of the world, I can part an ocean, and I can make water stand up like a wall. Let me see you do that. Look what I can do. I am God, but worshiping me through festivals and sacrifices, that's not what I have in mind. Worshiping where only a few leaders get to come into my presence and speak, that's not what I have in mind. Where only a few special people will hear my voice and they'll write it down and reveal it to you. That's not what I have in mind. And serving a God you've never met, but you've read the stories about. That's not what I have in mind. From the beginning and all throughout the Old Testament, God actually said things like, I'm going to be with You. That would be his presence with a capital P, which is his spirit, by the way. God said things like, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. I'm going to create a new heart in you. That's something that he is going to do. We see all throughout history, people having encounters with his spirit. And even in the Old Testament, people being filled with the spirit of God is what the Bible says about them. It is God's plan A to have his spirit dwell within his children for a reason. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit, He's actually a gift. He's God's gift to everyone who believes in Him. When Peter was preaching after Jesus had ascended and everybody's left, like, uh oh, what are we going to do? After they had their moment, like, well, you know, since God's gone, we're hopeless and useless, and they went fishing. I got to go to the beach this past year where they actually think Peter went fishing because, well, God is gone, what have I got? You know what you got? You got everything Jesus had. And once Peter figured it out and amazing things happened and he found himself preaching to the masses, here's what he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll go to heaven. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not what it says? (laughs) Repent and be baptized every one of you. If you believe in Jesus and your life will be without troubles. You and your wife will never fight if you both like Jesus. (laughs) Anybody thought that one? How many people in here foolishly got married? We both love Jesus. It'll all be great. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. (laughs) Repent and be baptized. Recognize who Jesus is. And here's the one promise I have for you. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Expected. Promised. I'm going to say that again. I want you to remember those words. Expected, promised, intended. So you see, this brings up an incredibly important point as we decide how we are going to respond to this word. And I'm going to make somebody uncomfortable for a minute if I could, and it's just I get to because it's what I do. Would you call Jesus your king personally? Maybe you would use the words, Jesus is my Lord, and my Savior. Maybe you've heard that. It's kind of churchy. The truth is, if you do not recognize Jesus as your King, I mean, you can believe in history. You can believe He's a real person. You can believe that Jesus existed. You can believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Do you hear me say all of that? The Bible says even the demons know that. Literally, the demons watched it happen. They watched him die. They did their happy dance and their celebratory little victory for about a day and a half. And then Sunday morning came. We talked about that last week, if y'all were here. Even the demons who watched it happen don't call Jesus their king. If you don't call Jesus your king, then God's spirit does not dwell within you. I just need you to know the truth. I don't need you going home thinking you're all set when you're not all set. Ephesians 1 says that in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation, not only when you heard it, but took the next step when you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Using the words of like a king taking a letter and putting the wax and the seal that no one else had and making a guarantee. Sealed. the deposit deposit. Here's why you know when you say Jesus died for me and I know that I'm going to heaven, not I hope that I'm going to heaven, not I, I really just hope it's going to work out. No, the reason you know is because he left something inside of you to identify himself. Let's just... Can I dumb it down for a second? You know, if you ever lose your phone and you go back to the little, wherever you are, you know, carowinds or the mall, or it doesn't really matter. Hey, I lost my phone. Yeah, we got some phones back here. What does yours look like? Well, you know, that's kind of like this. and Got a case. Yep, okay, we got four with that case. What happens? Well, if you open it up, you will see a picture of me inside. That's what this is about. But only, did you see that course? Once you heard the gospel, and then you actually chose to receive it and declare Jesus your king and to stop living for yourself, at that moment, the Holy Spirit moves in. And maybe this explains a little problem or explains something about our problem with God. You know how before we do that, we don't like to talk about God? We don't want to hear from God. Until the Holy Spirit moves in, you want nothing to do with God. People invite you to church. You got nothing to do. You're busy. What do you mean you're busy? It's Sunday morning. Everything's closed. It doesn't matter. I'm busy. Bible explains it. The natural person, wait a minute. You mean not everybody's a spiritual person according to the Bible? No, because everybody that doesn't have the spirit living within is not called a spiritual person in the Bible. They're called a natural person. The only thing they've got is bones and flesh, veins, blood. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Here's the thing. Maybe you've heard sermons. Maybe you've thought to yourself, I'm just not ready. I'm just not in the mood. Besides, I want to party a little longer. If it's just about going to heaven, I will gamble that I'm not going to die before 35. Could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a betting man. So somewhere about 35 or 40, I'm actually going to go to a church. I'll walk down to the front, and I will say the prayer. This is another thing that was, I'm going to just reveal myself to you guys today. When I was a teenager, a young kid actually thought that. My mom was Baptist, so she took me to a Baptist church every Sunday night. And everybody was always going down to the front, and I just wasn't ready to do that. And I literally sat there like some of you do today, some of you do every week. I literally sat there thinking, About 25. After college, when I don't live with my mom so she can't harass me about me walking down, maybe even when I'm not with my mom, that'd be another reason, you know? About 25. I literally, as a kid, remember to say, about 25, I will voluntarily change my eternal destiny. This is not the issue. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about the fact that every day between now and then, you are literally missing out on God's presence living within you. By saying, I will wait till I'm 25 or 35 or 45, or I'll wait until God gives me that job because I'm tired of praying to him. And if he's not going to answer my prayers, I'm not going to surrender to him. Or until I get healed of this disease, because before I say he's my king, he better come and meet me where I need him. Whatever the I'll wait till it's not just that you're saying, I I think I'll still end up going to heaven because I can make that decision later. What you're saying is today I want to remain spiritually dead today. I do not want God's presence within me. It's not just a decision about where you're headed. It's about being powerless and alone every day of the journey. (laughs) Met with a young man this past week, and he sat with me. I'd been called to come and sit with him because he was not sure he wanted his life to go on much longer. Just for the record, I'm not a good counselor before you hear the rest of this story. I'm a good preacher, but I'm not a good counselor. And when he said, Life is pointless, life is useless, life is meaningless, and life is not worth living, I just looked at him and said, I agree. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to say in that situation, except, exactly. If this is what you're living for, I agree. There is no reason to keep doing what you're doing every single day, so lonely and powerless. If you ever want to talk about how to change that, you let me know. So for those of you who already believe, by the way, I'll come back to that group just so you know, I'm not going to leave you hanging. But for those of you that already do believe that Jesus is your King, so you already have the spirit of God dwelling within you. Can I just ask you this morning, what is your life like? What is your life like? Are you just waiting on Jesus to return? Most people that I meet, most Christians are just let me go and you know once a week say, "Hey God, how you doing? Good to see you family. Let's sing a few songs." You're just waiting on Jesus to come back. Just waiting. Or just waiting until I run into a tree cuz I'm a pretty bad driver anyway, then maybe I'll go to heaven. You know, I'm just waiting. How often do you think about the spirit of God living within you and do you talk to him? Do you have a conversation with him? Do you ask questions? Should I go here? Should I go there? I need to pick up milk. Which grocery store is the better one to go to? I'm serious. Y'all think I'm crazy. Holy Spirit, should we go to Five Guys or to Moe's? Y'all laugh at me, but... No, I didn't ask the health food guy which one. I asked Holy Spirit which one. Y'all think I'm being fine. I'm not... And I'm not demeaning God by that. You see, here's the thing. God knows... When somebody's going to walk into a movie theater and shoot it up, you should ask God about everything you do. The Holy Spirit, He's right here. Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You want to be really funny? All right, y'all, I'm just, this is true. Because even Ryan said before, well, you know, God within. I got up this morning and I have a short sleeve a blue and green plaid shirt, just like the one Ryan's wearing today. I got dressed, looked in the mirror. Holy Spirit said, change shirts. It just came from the cleaners. It's not wrinkled. It's not dirty. It's hot outside. I want short sleeves. I got to go to a meeting right after this. I'm going to wear whatever I'm wearing until five o'clock today, God. I want short sleeves. Change your shirt. Change my shirt. Walk in. Ryan's wearing my shirt. <laughs> from the don't get on that plane to the change of shirt. Nothing is too big or too small because he lives here. He lives here. I believe, I believe God's got something different. I want to ask you, are you living daily, even moment by moment in God's plan A? That his presence would live within you, impacting every feeling, every thought, every guiding decision, everything. Are you living that way? I want to talk to you about that life. And I will, for the next five weeks, come back. But Right now, I want to close with this. I do believe that there is a way for us to have a biblical and powerful life without being spooky or weird. I do. But even as I say that, I actually kind of have to like wonder if I should take those words back So I mean let's be honest here when a supernatural God shows up and intervenes in our boring natural world well we're just might be the only word for it cool awesome <laughs> but weird You have to be willing to let go if you want more than what you're currently holding. You can quote that one. I'm going to leave us as a church family with this question. Do you want prim and proper worship of a God from afar? Or do you want the living, supernatural creator of the universe living within? Last thing I'm going to do today is talk to those folks I was talking to a minute ago even the demons know Jesus died and rose again but he's not their king there are people who go to church but they've never had that conversation where time is removed like a science fiction film Jesus is on the cross, you are right here you look in his face and say because you died for me I want to live for you and your entire life changes you're no longer afraid to call him God. You're no longer afraid to let the words Jesus come out of your mouth and thinking it's uncool. You know why something changed? Because he moved inside. The Spirit of God came inside. I want you this morning to stop thinking about when will you decide to go to heaven. Get rid of that thinking. I want you to think about this. How much longer do I want to live without him inside? How much longer do I want to be lonely, depressed, miserable, angry, and the the list goes on. So if you have never had that conversation, if you've never surrendered to Jesus as King, if the Holy Spirit has never moved in, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything weird. We're going to pray right where you're seated. Would you just all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you came to fill me with your Spirit. I thank you that you died. me, and now I choose to live for you. I thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, and I have one simple prayer in this place today, that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. you would, stand to your feet. We're going to worship God lives within. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.